Good morning, everyone. Um, our teaching text comes from Psalm 143. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your work and consider what you have done, your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Because if silence and solitude are where God meets with us, prayer is where God processes us. The last time I was up here, I got a little personal with y'all, disclosed my love for Lizzie McGuire slash Hilary Duff. Um, and I really appreci every, every, appreciate everybody for not judging me and making this a safe space. Um, as you can tell, the nerves are always here in my body. But um, I want to keep in that tradition of honesty with you all today and share a not-so-fun fact about the scripture that we just read. Um, I actually found it in the middle of a personal breakdown. Um, I can joke about it now, talk about it now, but I'm in no way trying to minimize how rough it was last month. Um, I don't know how many can relate to this type of season, but there were many sleepless nights filled with just overthinking, random moments of just uncontrollable crying where I was so confused as to why tears were running down my face, and a very real weight on my chest um, that just wouldn't go away no matter how many yoga classes that I would try and attend. Uh, and I feel like it's important to share this because by the time I found and read this verse, I felt like a mess. I'm pretty sure I looked like a mess. Um, and David, the author of this psalm, can relate. He was in a mess too, and it caused him to cry out this prayer. Both of these circumstances acted as a really nice reminder that God meets me in the mess. He meets all of us in this mess. And when we read the Bible, that's what happens. We do it in our reality. We do it in the seasons of depression, seasons of transition, joy, celebration. And regardless of what we're going through in those seasons, the Bible always has a way of meeting us in that moment. And what the Bible is illustrating through this passage is that though those seasons can be messy, they're actually a part of a processing that needs to be carried out within us. And prayer initiates and facilitates this process. And so I just want to encourage us today to not be afraid of that mess that we might find ourselves in a season that we're going through now or one that we may go through in the future and return to prayer no matter how vulnerable it might feel to do so. And so I want to pray for us as we begin, however you guys want to posture yourselves. God, I just thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the noise around us, Lord, because 
despite it all, Lord, we want to focus on you today. We want to focus on what prayer can teach us and how it will lead us back to you, Lord. We learn, Lord God, in, in worship today that prayer is a place where we can rest. Let us rest today in your word and knowledge, Lord God Almighty, that you are thinking of us, that you want us to enter into a conversation with you today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So this psalm does a really great job at illustrating the journey that we all go on when we pray. In just 12 verses, he manages to describe the challenges of prayer, the change that happens when we pray, and also the elements that are helping us to pray. I'm sure everyone in this room has a different style of prayer. Some of us were taught to recite a specific scripture over and over again. Some of us might prefer to focus on confession and supplication. People like myself might have been taught that it was an opportunity to speak in tongues and to intercede for others. Yet there are still certain aspects of prayer that... So I just want to encourage us today to not be afraid of that mess that we may find ourselves in a season that we're going through now or one that we may go through in the future and return to prayer no matter how vulnerable it may feel to do so. And so I want to pray for us as we begin. However you guys want to posture yourselves. God, I just thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for all the noise around us, Lord, because despite it all, Lord, we want to focus on you today. We want to focus on what prayer can teach us and how it will lead us back to you, Lord. We learn, Lord God, in, in worship today that prayer is a place where we can rest. Let us rest today in your word and acknowledge, Lord God Almighty, that you are thinking of us, that you want us to enter into a conversation with So this psalm does a really great job at illustrating the journey that we all go on when we pray. In just 12 verses, he manages to describe the challenges of prayer, the change that happens when we pray, and also the elements that are helping us to pray. I'm sure everyone in this room has a different style of prayer. Some of us were taught to recite a specific scripture over and over again. Some of us might prefer to focus on confession and supplication. People like myself might have been taught that it was an opportunity to speak in tongues and to intercede for others. Yet there are still certain aspects of prayer that feel pretty universal. I remember when I was younger, I went on a youth retreat, and uh, it was the first time that we got to this, got to go to this Christian retreat house. They had llamas in the back. It was really exciting for all of us. And there were other youth groups within, with, with us. So I was raised Pentecostal. The other groups were from different denominations, different churches. And on one occasion, um, when we were saving grace, one of the youth leaders got up and said his prayer. And he said, rub a dub dub God bless this group. <laughs> and I, being a Pentecostal person, was like, whoa, we can say that to God? That's a lot. Um, but I bring this up because even though the word may vary, saying grace is actually pretty normal for us as Christians, for those of us who consider ourselves part of the body of Christ. When I was younger, um, I was always really excited when I would eat at a restaurant and I'd see another table joining hands or bowing their heads to pray for grace because it was like I was part of this club, I knew the secret handshake, like we all had to hold up. And that aspect of prayer brings us together and connects us all as a community. Another commonality we share in our prayers is what we say to God, the topics that we focus on. 
In an online survey conducted by LifeWay in 2014, researchers found that 74% of people who pray pray for their own problems and difficulties. So the one thing that was prayed for more was family or friends, but pretty high up there, praying about problems and difficulties. The bottom being celebrities or people in the public eye. David would fit pretty well in the 74%. The majority of the song is a description of the problems and difficulties that he's facing. The Message Bible has a really poetic way of describing this. Their version of verse 3 reads, The enemy hunted me down. He kicked me and stomped me within an inch of my life. He put me in a black hole, buried me like a corpse in that dungeon. I sat there in despair, my spirit grating away, my heart heavy like lead. These are some pretty powerful images in the verse. And when we think about one man going through all of them, kicked and stomped, buried like a corpse in that dungeon, heart heavy like lead. I tried to find some context for this. Why was he going through this? Understanding the details about what David was, why David was led to this pretty gruesome description of his circumstances. Who was his enemy? Why was his heart so heavy? And I laughed a little at one commentator's perception of David's moment of hardship. They say, because his life was filled with so much activity and danger, it is impossible to link this psalm to any one particular point of crisis. In other words, David was going through so much problems in his life, we can't even tell which one he's talking about right now. But I love this because it's so real of David. He's not shying away from the reality of his situation. We don't see him trying to mask the fact that he is in despair yet again. The book of Psalms is actually filled with these kind of prayers offered by David, prayers about his enemies, prayers about his sins, prayers asking in desperation for God to move in his life. And throughout David's life, he demonstrates an understanding of the power of prayer. And he does not let the repetition of his circumstances dissuade him from coming before God in prayer. In fact, those very circumstances, his sin, his enemies, his breakdowns, are what drive him towards God in prayer. I wonder sometimes if we can say the same. Because if I'm being honest, my instinct is not to sit down and pray. It's to judge. Why haven't I gotten it together by now? Why is my life so defined by crisis? Why would I bother God with this again? I've been praying for over 20 years now, um, and I still struggle with these judgmental thoughts. That breakdown that I mentioned felt like a disappointment. And I tried everything before I finally decided to be honest with God about what was going on. I mentioned the yoga. I listened to sad music on repeat on Spotify. I tried deep breathing exercises. I don't like to admit this, but I even tried to give therapy to myself. And if you're not, I'm a therapist, so I should know better than to do that. But it's, it's avoidance, right? We don't want to face God with this reality that we're holding. And I was struggling, struggling with my mental health again, and I said, I can't come to God with this. Especially because I had just got a new job because of God, and he was creating all these different opportunities. I should be 
in seasons of gratitude, not bothering him again with the same sad story. How many of us have thought that our prayers were broken records to God? There's a sense of embarrassment or shame that stops us from talking to him. Or we go through the motions of prayer, our bodies are kneeling, our heads are bowed, but our minds are thinking, things won't change. Roll Rollheiser describes it like this. It's rare that we actually open mind and heart to God in order to show God what's really there. Instead, we treat God as a parental figure or as a visiting dignitary and tell God what we think God wants to hear rather than what's really on our minds and hearts. We feel we are praying only when we have attentive thoughts and warm feelings, when we feel like praising God, when we feel altruistic, altruistic, pure, centered, when we have good feelings towards God, others, and nature, when we feel the desire to pray more, or when we yearn for moral improvement. This is a long list of unrealistic expectations that we have for ourselves sometimes when we try and enter into prayer. David's prayer proves that there is no need for us to give a false performance when we talk to God. God already knows what's in our hearts. And even when we're too afraid, embarrassed, or ashamed to acknowledge it, he knows what's there. However, despite God being all-knowing, something transformative happens when we willingly open mind and heart to God in order to show God what's really there. We see the result of this honesty in this psalm. What starts as a desperate attempt to make God move in his favor ends with a bold statement of conviction concerning who God is and what he really will do for his servant. David is able to transition from a state of uncertainty to one of assurance. And there's a lot going on in this text here, but I want to focus on that change that happens in David's life and how he gets there through prayer. Verse 12 ends saying, And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. There are three important changes that we see happening in this one verse. A shift in focus, a shift in understanding, and a shift in identity. At the beginning of the song, we see David is entirely focused on himself and his problems. Hear me, answer me, deliver me, preserve me. Even when he's addressing God, it's with the purpose of appealing to God's nature in order to benefit himself. In your faithfulness and your righteousness come to my relief. Or in other words, God, I know you're faithful, I know you're righteous, so can you do something for me, please? And it's very human to focus on ourselves, especially when we're going through times of crises. I don't want to shame any of us in approaching God this way. In fact, as David showed us before, that's the real starting point of prayer, being real enough to admit what is going on inside. But the purpose of prayer is to enter us into a process of shifting our focus, me to you. When we want to focus on ourselves and our problems, there's always something in us that's going to point us back to God. And the shift in focus is not to minimize our struggles or invalidate the very real feelings of pain that some of us bring into our prayer lives. The reason prayer points us back to God is because in Him we find our strength. In Him we find our comfort. 
We can look upon something constant and permanent in the midst of ever-changing thoughts of worry, anxiety, or despair. God is there to be that source of permanence for us. And when we refocus our minds and perspectives on God, a shift in understanding occurs. You will cut off my enemies. You will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. Before this final statement, we see David struggling as a result of his circumstances. He describes his spirit as growing faint within him, his heart is dismayed or depressed. But now that God is in the picture, he can see beyond all that, beyond his own grief, beyond his own depression. And he has a different understanding of his situation now that he can see God more clearly in his life. And I'd also like to point out here, nothing has changed except his perspective. God has not come down to earth to talk to David one-on-one. -on -one. We don't hear his voice deep from the heavens like in the movies. And he doesn't say that God removed any of all those enemies or even taken him out of that dark place that we found him before. All that changes in his situation is his understanding of it and God's role in his situation. Whereas before, he's pleading with God to be present. At the end of his prayer, there is a realization that God has been present all along. There's this video I saw on Instagram that I think encapsulates the idea of pretty perfectly. In the video, I'm glad I didn't have to reenact this, by the way. Um, <laughs> that would have been funny for you guys, not fun for me. Uh, so this boy on the left approaches the stage with what looks like a school performance. Um, why we do that to kids, I don't know sometimes. But as you can see in his face, he is pretty worried, he's pretty distressed, and you can't see it because I don't have the video, but the body language that he has when he approaches the stage is very hesitant. His, his posture is very closed off, and I can almost hear his thoughts. I can't do this, I'm gonna forget my line, I can't find something to remember, I'm all alone. And so the kid is walking on stage hesitantly, and all of a sudden we hear a voice in the audience. Um, and it's screaming this kid's name. And it takes a little while for him to spot the owner of the voice, but once he sees who's calling him, there's a visible change in his face and in his posture, as you can see in the second, um, the second uh, image. And uh, he continues to walk onto stage, and then after seeing this person who's calling him, he just does this really epic movement. Um, he just goes, yes! <laughs> and we can see here that the caption says, proof that being present can make a big difference. Prayer does this. Prayer makes the difference by bringing us into an awareness of God's presence in our lives. And what makes my soul so happy about this is that love is at the root of it all. That's why that little kid's face is lighting up. Had it been someone he hated, he probably would have made a dead face, or had it been a stranger, he would have been like, okay, I'm still worried. But he knows he's loved by this person who's calling him. And that love brings him peace in this moment. And when we know that we're loved by God, peace can enter into our situation. David concludes by saying, in your unfailing love, you will do these things because I am your servant. In this moment, David not only understands who God is, but also who David is in God's eyes. And it's interesting because David actually calls himself a servant in the beginning of this prayer. Enter not into judgment with your servant. He's letting whatever it is 
that would cause God to judge him in the first place to find him, to find his identity. But prayer allows him to, de to be defined by love instead of shame. And when our identities are rooted in God's love, we can better silence the doubt and shame of repeated prayers or repeated messy situations. And we can walk in confidence knowing we are loved and that he who loves us will be with us. Just like this kid knows that someone is with him. So how do we get there? How can we enter into this process of prayer? David teaches us three elements of prayer that can help us achieve these types of changes. Remembering, trusting, and surrendering. Verse five reads, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. When I was little, my dad would have my sister repeat a prayer with me. It was sort of a call and response, so if you know it, audience participation is highly recommended and much appreciated. So he would say, God is good. I heard it. Yeah. All the time. And then all the time. Yeah. So that was our prayer as a kid. And then my dad would add, very good. Action 
even if we're feeling unsure, surrendering our will for God's will. Verse 10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. In her book, Soul Feast, Marjorie Thompson describes what it looks like to surrender our wills and be led by God like this. No matter what we think about the origin of our prayers, they are all a response to the hidden workings of the spirit within. Have you considered what an astonishing promise it is that the spirit prays in us and does so according to the will of God? Perhaps our real task in prayer is to attune ourselves to the conversation already going on deep in our hearts. Then we may align our conscious intentions with the desire of God being expressed at our core. Surrendering our will means tuning into something deeper within us. And sometimes we have to go through this process of aligning what it is we want with what it is God wants. But the beautiful part about that is that this work is already being done in each and every one of us. What is the Holy Spirit telling you? This week, I had a stomach virus that came out of nowhere. Russell already mentioned it, I think. Um, I was at work, going about my life, doing my things, and uh, I know I'm about to break one of the rules of fasting that Russell preached about like four weeks ago or three weeks ago. But uh, it's important to share that it was Thursday and I was fasting. Nothing in my stomach. Um, and then my body started sensing these signals. At first, I thought it was just the hunger pains, uh, but I know myself pretty well. And the feeling that I had was something more than that. Something was definitely wrong. I drank water, took some deep breaths, but my body kept saying, Well, something's happening. Finally, I had to act. I had no choice. I had to do something about what I was sensing was about to happen. And so I told my supervisor that I wasn't feeling well and that I had to go home. And the minute I got home, I threw up. I'm sorry if that is too much information. But just like my body had its way of communicating to me that I had a stomach virus, the Holy Spirit communicates to us through signals. These signals can be found in scripture, can be found in conversations that we have with God, even feelings that we have in our own body. The Bible talks about how the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So it would make sense that our bodies pick up on those groanings. And if we are to attune ourselves to this deeper conversation happening in our hearts, we must pay attention to these signals. Does something in you get saddened when you hang out with that person? Does your stomach not feel right when you're in a certain place? Is there a scripture that's been on repeat in your brain since you've heard it? Sometimes these signs don't make sense until something happens to make it click. In my example, even though I hate calling out sick, Roxy was my former supervisor, she knows. I don't like doing it. I try and push through the pain and the discomfort. The minute I got home, I was extremely grateful that I paid attention and that I took action. I did not want to throw up in my office. And just like I was responsible for paying attention and moving, we are responsible for paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying within us and acting on it. I come from a high Holy Spirit church, and I was a little worried about talking about the Holy Spirit because I know that it's just something that's defined my life. 
Um, so I don't know where you find yourself on that journey when it comes to talking about the spirit, sensing the spirit, but I really do hope that you can find some encouragement in the fact that there is something in us that is working for our good. We are not alone, and prayer ushers us into a process of realizing that fact. Let's pray to end. God, we just thank you. We thank you for your spirit. Oh, we thank you for your presence, God. It changes things. It changes our minds, and it changes our hearts, and it changes our souls that feel so weary sometimes, carrying around things that sometimes we are not even aware of. Lord, today, I just pray for each and every one of us here today that we may feel challenged and encouraged to seek your face in prayer, that we may listen to the different things in our bodies, Lord, in our environments, God, that are pointing us towards you, that we may not run away from the mess that seems scary, that seems unresolvable, Lord, but bring it to you in honesty and in prayer, God, because that is what you call us to do. There is no mess high enough to keep us from you. There is no problem too deep that you cannot solve and you cannot be present in. And I just ask that you remind us of that today and that your spirit may be felt, Lord. 